Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. This beautiful thing, this beautiful building that we're sitting here tonight. So stuff like that. Any other future campaigns that we would do for expansion here? Uh, last year, I think it was, we gave uh, several thousand dollars to the church in a day uh, that Pastor Brooks was building in Fergus Falls. We wanted to help them build that church, and we gave sacrificially to that cause. Then you have things like North American Missions, Ladies Ministries, Youth Ministries, Men's Ministries, Altar Ministry, all of these things that we have a chance, like we just did on Sunday, to bless them somehow. Now, it might not have felt real sacrificial when you were buying that basket on Sunday, shoving that pizza in and bidding on them baskets. That's not everybody's idea of sacrifice. But the reason why that that's, you can do something like that and have fun and know uh, and not be so just, oh, this is so painful, is because so many people in our church have already got this thing down. They've already got sacrificial giving in their spirit. It's already there, they already know it's biblical, they already know it works, and so they're excited about giving, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. So, these things I just talked about would be sacrificial giving. These are not part of Malachi's robbing God statement. So if you don't give to one of these ministries, you're not robbing God. That was very specific when Malachi said that. He was very specific about that. And so it's important that we understand what that means. These are extra things above and beyond. These are sacrificial gifts that we would give to the kingdom of God. We see in in Exodus 35, in building God's uh, tabernacle. Now, what we understand about Exodus 35 is that this is in the building of the tabernacle, not in the maintaining of the tabernacle. Those are two very different things, right? It's a very different thing to build something and then to maintain something for a long time. But this, this Exodus 35 is about the building of it, and so we know that there was t- there's tithes and there were offerings that were used to go towards the ministry, things that were going towards the maintenance of the building or how the building was going to be used or the ministries that were done in the building, how that was going to happen. But what we're seeing here in look at 4 and 5, and Moses spake unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take ye from among you an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a, say it with me, Willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord. And so this was to facilitate the raw materials needed to build the tabernacle. That's what they were, that's what they were accumulating. This was to include the workmanship and the craftsmanship that was necessary to build the tabernacle. 35 and 21 of Exodus. And they came. Everyone whose heart stirred him up. Everybody see that? And everyone whom his spirit made willing. Does everyone see that? Okay. 
So this is not about, if you don't do this, you're gonna rob God. This is, this is something else. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation and for all his service and for the holy garments. Look at 36, four through seven. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made and they spake unto Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord God, the Lord commanded to make. Now think about that. You had people who were sacrificially giving stuff. There were people who were sacrificially giving money to buy stuff. There were people who were sacrificially giving of their time and talent to build stuff. Right? So there's a lot of sacrificing going on here, and it's in a variety of ways. But the ones who are doing the building say that they bring more than enough, and Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing, one of my favorite lines in all the Bible, the people were restrained from bringing, for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it, and what? And too much. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Pastors should not be the only one that get excited about stuff like that. I remember a day when we had $650,000 in the bank, and we seemingly couldn't do anything with it. Right? We had $650,000 in the bank, and we're like, what are we, we can't buy land. It's going to take all of our money. Then we can't buy a building. There's no buildings that we can afford with that much money. But people kept giving and kept giving, and we ended up, at the time that we bought this building, we, we had $650,000 in the bank. And God said, I'm going to give you the building for $615,000. And I don't remember anybody, Brother Herb, saying, well, I guess we didn't need my money, so if you could just give that back. <laughs> I mean, you only needed 615, and we gave 650, so maybe we should split the difference. No, we had, we had more than we needed to buy the building, but everyone understood this is sacrificial giving, and God has blessed it, and, and look what the miracle God has done. And that is what happened here. They begin to give sacrificially. God blessed it. And the miracle was so much that it was, it was too much just to do specifically what they were doing. Now, I do believe that is the natural progression of sacrificial giving. That when we give sacrificially, when we are going, we are giving above and beyond what is asked. And because we are giving above and beyond what is asked, God in turn blesses us above and beyond what we need. Now, just because I've been doing this a while, I know that some people are thinking, just giving tithes is sacrificial. That's, that's a lot, Pastor. 10% is a lot. And then... We got Malachi over here saying we have to give offerings too. And, you know, it's not designated or anything, but that means I have to give more. And you, you, that's a lot. That, that hurts. That's hard. That's difficult. 
And if that's where you're at, then you need to navigate that place first. You need to navigate that place first. You need to do it, be faithful with it, be consistent with it, and show and see what God will do when you do that. And then I guarantee you, the lesson you learn from doing that is going to be a whole lot easier than to step into sacrificial giving. Because God absolutely will bless us above and beyond what we need when we give above and beyond what is expected. Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. This was used last week, and I have an illustration. Does anybody know my illustration about what bosom means in this text, this context? You've seen me do it multiple times. Does anybody remember what, I, what the illustration is? Just checking. It involves my suit coat. Anybody remember? All right, Brother Christian, come up here. I think I'm adequately fatter, fatter than you. Hold this for a second. Now, put on this big man's jacket. So, the garments that they would wear, their outer garment would overlap, and then they tied it with a belt of some sort. This, this created, now you don't have to exaggerate it. <laughs> He's all sucking in, so it looks even, my word. Come on, I gotta get through this so I can put it back on. I'm sucking in over here too. All right. So, so pull it tight like you did. So they would pull it, and there was a belt, and this created a, a pocket. And that is what it means by the bosom. It was a pocket that they would oftentimes carry their money in. It was an easy access pocket. And so, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom means that other people are going to funnel finances and giving into your life. That's what it means. So, first of all, take my jacket off. Hold this for a second. Seriously. Maybe you stretched it all out. Yeah. Give them a big hand, everybody. So it's a principle of giving that really applies to all giving. And, and it's showing you that God is saying, you're worried about taking it out. And I'm telling you, I have a plethora of ways to put it back in. So really it becomes a trust issue about if I take it out and give it, do I believe that God's going to put it back in? Amen. So we are, we are the vessel that, that, uh, of this, this scripture. And, and one of the things I've said before is this whole idea of it running over. Do we really want it running over? Because that sounds in my mind like it's spilling out onto the ground and being wasted. Um, but there, there's, a, there's a way to, to look at this 
that helps me. So I'm going to illustrate that for us now. This helps me illustratively to understand about the running over, press down, shaking together, running over in my life. So we're going to call this my life. And then there are these things around it down here. So this one says evangelism. Okay? That one says evangelism. This one says expansion. Talking like building expansion, uh, you know, stuff like that. This one says missions. Talking about faith promise. Talking about giving to, to missions in some way to reach the world. This one says ministries. This one would be like giving to ministries of the church. Altar recovery, youth, ladies, men, whatever it is, okay? Caring hands. All right. So this helps me to see this. So those are all ways that I would like to participate in, in giving sacrificially. And if I'm obedient to Scripture, obedience to Scripture lines me up with the blessings of God. So if I'm obedient to Scripture through tithe and offerings, God then responds like he says he would. I will pour you out, right, a blessing that can't be contained. Press down, shaken together, running over. So he begins to do what he promises that he will do. But then this is what I think he means by running over. He continues to pour blessings into my life to the point that it now is spreading out all around me, right? And he just keeps giving blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings and blessings. It's coming through me. From him, right? From him, through me. Notice, I stay full the whole time. Everybody see that? I stay full the whole time. Why is that? Because I have a scripture that says God's going to supply my needs. He's going to supply my needs. Now, you need to understand what needs means, but he does say I shall supply all your needs. So I get to stay full, but I also get to be used in this process of it running over. And because it's running over in my life, these areas around me, they get, they get to receive the benefit of that to where now they are absorbing that which has overflowed out of me. That means that missions, for instance, I got to be a part of that. It overflowed out of me into missions. Missions gets to absorb it, and they get to take it across the ocean into people's lives that I'll never meet. And they get to do that. Evangelism. We have different ways we reach our community, and we, we, some of that costs money. We give that money. It flows into evangelism, and then it gets to flow back out of evangelism. Everybody see the point we're making here? So obedience to God taps me in to the endless supply that God has. He uses me as a vessel, pressed down, shaken together, and running over allows me then to be a part of 
the process of God blessing others. And once you get a taste of what it's like not to just be blessed yourself by God, but to be a part of the blessing of others, it becomes something that you really wanna do on a regular basis. It taps into something that about who we become when we become new creatures in Christ Jesus. There's something about God who is the epitome, obviously, of sacrifice, the epitome of that there's built into us now, there's this desire to want to be used in that way, and sacrificial giving is a great way. And if you're thankful for that, would you give the Lord a hand clap, please? Now, we have to keep in mind that God always understands and knows what our motivations are. Everybody say motivations. He always knows. Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So in God's eyes, and we need to understand this about sacrificial giving, in God's eyes, your best life now does not have to include being rich. Being rich does not have to be part of the equation for us to have our best life, not with God involved. That's a purely worldly approach. The world, money is the epitome. That's the only way to get everything that you want. You gotta have more and more and more and more. That's not how it is when we get connected to Christ. That's not our motivation. Our motivation becomes blessed to be a blessing. It's very contrary to the culture of, the, uh, of our world, but it's right with the Bible. I'm not trying to get my best life to accumulate as much money as get as much stuff as I can. I'm, I'm, I wanna be blessed of God so that I can be a blessing in other ways. And so I, I must be open to God to motivate me. And if I'm open, he will give opportunity for us to not only give, but be given unto. Let's look at 1 Kings 17. Let's, let's read 9 through 16. I'm going to read it off the screen because I don't have it in my mind. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. He called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days 
And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. How many think that would be a miracle, what you just read there? It's a miracle that just, just occurred. So it's a time of drought. Most people are having difficulty sustaining their families. This lady in particular is, is in a devastatingly desperate situation. Now notice in verse 9 what it said was, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So God is speaking to Elijah, and he's saying, I've already been talking to someone, and they are, I'm already dealing with them that they're going to be the one that's going to help you with, with your nourishment. He was preparing her in advance. Right? Now I'm going to say something. It's, 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 it's a little uncomfortable. Most people hear from God about sacrificial giving. They just ignore it. Most, let me, let me even just narrow it even then. Most apostolic Pentecostal people will hear from God about sacrificial giving. He will, he'll impress it upon you, he'll talk to you about it, he'll drop it into your mind, he'll direct you to do it. It's just a lot of people ignore it. They just ignore it because sometimes it sounds like, you want me to do what? Uh, don't you see me? Do you not see my situation? Do you not see what I'm dealing with here? I, I, I'm going to take these two sticks. I'm going to go in. I'm going to prepare this. We're going to eat it. We're going to die. And so a lot of times when God deals with people about sacrificial giving, they ignore it, justifying that there's no way God could be asking them to do that. Here's the thing, though. It wouldn't be miraculous if she had plenty. And it obviously wouldn't have been sacrificial. Right? So we see this story the way we see this story because that was her situation. That was what she was dealing with. And then she's presented... With this, he first asked her for water. Now, her response to this first request is key. It's key how she responds first. Water is something that she has some of. She has some. But the question is, is she willing to give him any? Right off the bat, God's been talking with her. The moment of truth comes, and he starts with water. Is she willing to just give him some of her water? Because if she's not willing to give him some of her water, she sure ain't going to give him any of her food. Right? So if we are not willing to give of what we have some of, then we're really not going to be willing when God asks us to give something that we think, well, I hardly have any. I hardly have any. Why, why are you asking me to give of that? 
I'll also say this. If we are not willing to give of what we have now, please, please don't try to convince yourself that sometime later when you have more, that you're going to just become this great giver. Because we're talking about a spirit of sacrifice. We're talking about a way to live your life with an understanding that God is going to take care of you, that he is going to put it into you. He's going to put it into your bosom. He's going to cause it to run over. It's a faith thing. It's a faith thing. And it's a heart thing. So when people say, well, I wish I can give, but I just don't, I, I just don't have enough. I can't, I just don't have enough. I, I wish I could. But you know what? One of these days I'm going to get that promotion. One of these days I'm going to get that new job. One of these days I'm going to have more funds that are not, I mean, everything right now, I mean, it's just too tight. But one of these days, one of those days never comes. It never comes. And there have been cases, I know of cases, where it did come. And they didn't just get the raise, they got the big raise. They didn't just get the promotion, they got the big promotion. They didn't just get a little bit, they got the inheritance they weren't expecting. And you know what you hardly ever see? Is them giving a lot of that. Most of the times, if they weren't giving sacrificially before, they don't give sacrificially after. Okay? So then he asked for a morsel of bread. And this is where we see the seriousness of her condition. I have not a cake. I have a handful of meal in a barrel. That's what I got. I got a little oil in a cruise. That's what I got. I'm getting two sticks. I'm going to dress it. Me and my son, we're going to eat it. And then, frankly, we're going to die. This is how desperate we are. We have no hope that there's going to be more coming. We have no hope that anything's going to change. This is all we have left. It's a seriously desperate state to live in. And this is real. Everybody, this is not a parable. This really happened. These are the words of someone who seemingly has very little to hope for in this situation. And Elijah responds like you would expect a prophet of God to respond. Fear not. Everybody say fear not. Now, she could think, well, it's easy for you to say. Oh, yeah, fear not. I'm I just told you my situation. Two plus two equals fear. Right? That's easy. She could get angry. She could rant about not having enough for herself. She could start blaming God. She could start blaming Elijah. She should get mad and start just doing all kinds of stuff. That Elijah is showing the main reason that some people don't participate in sacrificial giving. It is fear. If I say fear. fear. It's fear. People struggle with fear when God asks them to do things that fully rely on him. But... Just so you know, that's why God does it. That's why God positions us like that. Because he wants us all it takes. It, do, it doesn't take a lot of these experiences. It just takes one or maybe a couple times 
where you just trust the word of God and you just do what he's telling you to do and you just hold on that God's word is true and he comes through for you, that only happens to happen, that only has to happen like once before you realize, oh, so it is gonna work the way God says it's gonna work. I can trust that it's gonna happen and it gets a whole lot easier next time. But many people never get to the next time because of fear the first time. They never get to experience the miraculous provision of God because they don't fully have faith that God can do it. And, that, and that's, you're missing out on something beautiful and wonderful and, frankly, something that can take what is a regular fear in people's lives. Money for a lot of people is a regular fear. Something that can take that fear, that giant, and conquer it in your life so that you don't have to live your life with that fear. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. 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 Now, make me therefore a little cake first. He doesn't ask even for a normal size cake. I don't know what a normal size cake is, but he had a little cake. So obviously there's little and then there's something else. He doesn't ask for a normal size cake. You know why he doesn't ask for a normal size cake? Just guessing from the scripture. Does anybody know why he doesn't ask for whatever a normal size cake is? Because she couldn't give it to him anyway. If he says, I need you to get me a normal size cake, whatever that is, then she can say, I can't do that. I have a little of this and a little of that. A little meal, a little oil. I can make a little cake but you're asking me for a normal size cake, I can't do that. But he doesn't ask her for a normal size cake because God will not ask you for more than you are capable of doing. Oh, hallelujah. Now, he may ask you for more than you want to do, and he may ask you for more than you think you can do. But if he asks you, you can do it. Think about it. If God asks you to do it, he's God, right? He knows everything. If he asks you to do it, then that means you can do it. Now, first of all, that's a principle you should be grabbing a hold of because that can apply in all kinds of areas of life. If God opens a door, that means you can go through it. You don't have to stand there and agonize over it and worry about it. Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? I don't feel secure. I don't know if I can do it. No, no. If he opened the door, that means you have everything you need to go through that door. And if he asks you to sacrificially give, that means you have what you need to do it. Now, Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. All throughout scripture, we see this connection between what God wants to do and our part. Right? I mentioned offhand the other day about uh, Moses going up on the mountain with the staff. He's going, up, he's going up the mountain with the staff. As long as he holds the staff up in the air, they win. But he has to physically hold it up in the air. That miraculous thing is beholden to his 
ability. If it drops, they start to lose. So wisdom says, maybe I should bring some people with me. Wisdom says, maybe I need some help up here. So here he is saying that you can do this, there's power to do it, but there's this in us part. We all have the ability to be used of God in sacrificial giving. We all do. Somebody say, we all do. We all do. We all have the ability to be used of God. And once God can trust us, he will let more funnel through us. Amen. The in us part that is involved in so many principles of scripture. Once God can trust us that we got us in line, that we got us in the right place, that our thinking is right, that our faith is right, that he can do a lot more with us. Right? He asked that she make him a cake. Key word, first. First. Now this is where her faith is now just getting really tested. She's planning on dying anyway. If she and her son eat a little and then she gives to Elijah, she fails in faith. So if she makes this little cake and she says, well, we're going to eat first and then we'll give it what's left to you, then she fails in faith because that's not what God asked her to do. You say, well, why isn't that good enough? Understand, it's just a little cake. And in God's eyes, whatever money we're given, it's just a little money. It's nothing. It's nothing to God. You walk, somebody could walk in here and put a million dollars in the offering plate. That's great, but it's nothing to God. Right? That doesn't mean anything to God. What matters to God? Is it the money that matters to God? No, it's the faith. It's the obedience. It's the heart. That's what matters to God. And so if she says, well, we'll eat a little bit first and then give you what's left, it's, it's, that, doesn't, that doesn't meet what God is trying to accomplish here. This is more than just Elijah getting some food. So she's, she would fail in faith. So, so you have to remember, God's already dealt with her on this. She's not hearing about this for the first time. It's not the first time. This, by the way, is one of the reasons why when we do major things around here, like, hey, we got Faith Promise Pledge Sunday coming up in a couple months. We want you to start praying about it now. Or I am Global Offerings coming up in a few weeks. We want you to start praying about it now. Or when we did capital campaigns, we built up to it, we prayed about it, right? Why did we do all that stuff? Because we know that we need to hear from God. Because just, you know, motivational speaking and trying to get people to do whatever, that's not going to do the miracle. We need a miracle. And for a miracle to happen, people need to hear from God. Amen? God has to be involved. So she's already heard from God on this. She was open enough to hear God, but would she trust God? 
Elijah reassures her of the promises of God. The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the drought is over. God is going to provide for you. Now, when he says that, that's just words. But he's a prophet of God. He's saying what God tells him to say. That's the word of God. And we have it in, in the Bible. It's the word of God. So it's not just words. Man making you a promise is just words. God making you a promise is a whole nother thing. And so she acts in pure faith and gives sacrificially. She's offering up her last meal. She's offering up her and her son's lives, or at least a little bit longer. And she, at her poorest, poorest point, had faith in giving, sacrificially giving. See, sacrificial giving is not based upon the amount you have, and sacrificial giving is not based upon the amount that you give. It is based upon giving something precious to the Lord. It's giving something precious to the Lord. And this is where I remind us that sacrificial giving is not always money. This is where I remind us that Abraham hears God say, take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest, and take him up to the mountaintop and offer him as a sacrifice. And Abraham, the scripture says, right in the next verse, and Abraham rose early and starts the journey. That's unbelievably powerful. That was obedience at a level that is powerful. That is trust at a level that is powerful. Dad, who's, I see the knife, I see the fire, I see the wood. I don't see the sacrifice. Son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Well, we don't see it. Where's it going to come from? God will provide himself a sacrifice. Right? So sacrificial giving is not always money. And we need to understand that. And we need to understand that it's giving something precious. Verse 16, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake Elijah. Amen. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. So we have a long history of sacrificial giving in this church. Long history. Long before I ever showed up. Long before many of us were ever here. There's stories of sacrificial giving that go, I don't know, pre-peanut brittle days. For those of you that remember the peanut brittle days. Or the fruit basket days. So even before that, there was sacrificial giving. This church has a long history of sacrificial giving. And God has shown up and he has done things time after time after time after time. We have seen miracles happen time after time after time. And we're going to continue to see miracles happen as long as we continue to participate in biblical giving. As long as we stay obedient to tithing and offering and we participate in sacrificial giving, amen, there is going to be plenty of ways for God to bless us. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. 
Let me t- let's just look at one more. We've got a few minutes. Let's look at one more. The poor widow of, the Bible talks about the poor widow of Luke 21. She catches Christ's eye. Verse 1, four, one through 4, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of a truth I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have their abundance, out of their abundance cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury or her poverty hath cast in all the living or all her means of living that she had. Now, how do we know uh, that this is not talking about the biblical tithe and offering? Well, if everybody was just giving their tithe, then they he would be going contrary to his word to say that she did more. Right? Because he's not making a point about more in the sense of she gave more money because she didn't give more money. And the Bible is clear about what tithe is. So if if they gave 10% and she gave 10%, then they didn't give more and she didn't give more. Everybody just gave what they were supposed to give. Right? Right? Now, this, this story actually happened. This is real. Jesus sees this. He's using it as an illustration. It's a teachable moment. He's taking his opportunity. And it's an interesting moment as people are giving their gifts, it says, which means a present or a sacrifice. They're giving their gifts. So it's most likely not at all connected to tither offering. It's very possible some sort of special collection for some temple need or something like that. So we have a poor widow that is giving all that she can give after, most likely, she's given of what the scripture requires of her. Now she's giving sacrificially. Jesus simply states that she hath cast in more than they all. It's simply a few verses to remind us that God is aware of our level of sacrifice. And I don't say that like I'm wielding a club. I'm not trying to induce fear of any kind. I say it with as much love as Jesus was saying it, I think. It's just a reality that God notices this stuff. He notices. He pays attention to this kind of thing. He sees what we do with our money. He sees how we handle it. And so he's pointing out what she did That she's giving something that was precious to her, and it caught his attention, and it still does today. Still catches his attention when we give something precious. And what that teaches us is one of the things uh, that we say about around here a lot when we're talking about this kind of stuff. It's not about equal giving, but it's about equal sacrifice. Now, we've said that for years around here because... Sacrificial giving is not about trying to keep up with the person over here or the person over there. I'll never be able to give as much as they have because they have this and they have that. That's all very human thinking, and it has no place in sacrificial giving. Sacrificial giving is not about everyone giving the same. It's about everyone sacrificing. And a sacrifice for her in Jesus' eyes turned out to be greater than what the wealthy people were giving. They gave way more money, but far less sacrifice. We find the churches of Macedonia in the New Testament. 
I'll end with this. Paul writes to the church of Corinth to inform them, to teach them, to encourage them. And, he's, and money is needed to assist other believers in Jerusalem and Judea. There's money needed. There's other works happening in these other cities. And uh, they, need, they need help, right? They need help to get started. Kind of like Fergus Falls is building a church and we want to be a part of it. So we give them, I don't know what we gave them. What do we give them? $10,000, right? We want to help out with that. Just like we give to North American missions and all these types of things. So he's, Paul is telling them there's money needed to help with these churches. They're struggling a little bit. And he uses the testimony of the churches of Macedonia. And 2 Corinthians 8 speaks of the Macedonian church. They themselves, this is what it says about them. They themselves were in distress, yet they gave to the needs of others. Now that's not, I'm not quoting a scripture there, but this is what the scripture is talking about. They gave out of a little, trusting that God was going to help the churches they were giving to, and that God was also going to provide for them. Right? And it says, this is what it actually says about them, that they had overflowing joy, or abundant joy, even in trial. They had abundant joy, even though they themselves were going through a trial, they had abundant joy. Why? Because they gave to help someone else who was in need. Amen. So the reward of Christ may not come back to me in money form either. I might not give it always in money form, and it may not always come back to me in money form. And I know we're talking about money this month, but I need us to understand that. So let me ask you this question, though. Do you think if people truly believed that God would give them overflowing joy in their life, that they might be more apt to sacrificially give? If they were going to receive overflowing joy. I don't know about you, but overflowing joy sounds pretty good. You know why that sounds good? Because you can't buy it. You can't buy it. No matter how hard you try, you can't buy it. But you can receive it through giving. That's incredible to me. So Paul says, they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. He says, they pleaded with us, they pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. He's, they, were, they were in a trial themselves, and they're pleading with Paul and the rest of them saying, no, no, we, we want to give. We want to give. We don't have a lot to give, but we want to give what we can and God blesses them with overflowing joy. That is the attitude of the seasoned sacrificial giver. The seasoned sacrificial giver knows well the benefits of giving to God and how precious it is to be a part of things like that, that they will actually say, no, we want to. We want, give us an opportunity to give. We want to give. 
Amen. That's why, I mean, if you're paying attention, <laughs> I mean, it seems like there's been a lot of them lately, but that's just the reality of life. I mean, you know, we, 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 we give to these things on a regular basis, but then things come up like Pastor Kent's deal, and we look at that, and we're like, we want to give to that. We want to be able to send some money and to bless them. And then right after we sent money to bless the kids, Pastor Barkus up in the St. Paul, his fire, his house catches on fire. He loses much, most of his stuff. And we're like, we want to give to that. We want to be able to bless people that way. And so right now we're giving people the chance to give to that. And that, he said, well, are we just going to keep doing stuff like that? I hope. I hope. Because we, we're looking for ways to give because we're a people who understands the power of sacrificial giving and the joy that comes with it to be connected to the miraculous provision of God. It's incredible. He even says this line, which I think is cool. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. And I just like that progression. He's saying these were people, the reason why they were the way they were and they felt about giving the way they did is because they gave themselves first to the Lord. They were laying their own lives down. They were sacrificing. They were crucified with Christ, if you will. And because of that, this other part was easy. And that's why, where we end with verse 7. Just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I promise you tonight that if you will step out in faith, if, if, you'll, if you'll follow obedience to God's word with the tithing, if you'll follow obedience to God's word with the willingness to give regular offering, and then if you'll step into the world of sacrificial giving, you will absolutely not regret it. And this is, this, is, this is how I'm going to say it. And I've said it like this before. If I was struggling financially in my life, this is what I would do. I would pay my tithes first. I would consider an offering that I could give second. And then I would look for some way to sacrificially give. And then I would step back and I would watch God fulfill his word. That's what I would do. I know that's what I would do because that's what I've done. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. And if you do it when you're struggling, you will be still doing it when you're not struggling anymore. Amen? And I, I hope that come, my spirit's right in, in saying it that way. But I need you to understand that this is something that pastor believes very strongly in. We don't just do this once a year because, you know, we want to make sure we can get every penny we can out of everybody. We're doing great. We're doing great. And I've been able to say that for many years in a row now. We're doing fine. You know Why? Because we're doing it the way the Bible tells us to do it. And as long as we keep doing it the way the Bible tells us to do it, we will continue to be able to see the blessings and the promises of God and how and what he says he's going to do come to pass. Let's stand together.
Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week. Thank you.